God be the glory for the great things our God has done. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. And on a Saturday night at the Alfred Street Baptist Church, we ought to give God the glory that he deserves. Come on and help me celebrate God tonight. Come on and help me celebrate God tonight. If you made Jesus your choice, help me celebrate the Savior tonight. Come on and bless his high name, his holy name. Bless the name of the Lord on a Saturday night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. What a joy it is to be back with you at the Alfred Street Church in this season of celebration to give God praise for all that God has done in, with, and through this great man of God known as Dr. Howard John Wesley. And I'm so grateful to be honored with the privilege to come back again this year and share my convictions concerning my Christ. Thank you, sir, for the invitation. I know that you know a whole lot of preachers in a whole lot of places. But thank you for looking down in the hood of Houston, Texas, and allowing me to come and share again this year for this 11th anniversary of pastoring people. Help me celebrate God for your pastor tonight. I am delighted to be in his presence, and I thank God for the presence of all the leadership and membership of the Alfred Street Church, these preachers, these deacons, and all the servants of God who give witness to God's grandeur in this place, to this majestic and magnificent music ministry. Will you help me thank God for them? Amen. Thank you. Seven folk. And did all that right there. Seven, seven people. Lord have mercy. To God be the glory. Thank God for a great blend of old school and new school. You had to be in church for a while to know that song. You had to be here for a while to know. I've decided to make Jesus my choice, but thank you. Thank you so much for that. To God be the glory. It's just good to be here, and we thank God for the privilege. Can't wait for you all to get to Houston, Texas, those of you who are coming next month, we're looking forward to your presence among us. It's going to be a phenomenal time of sharing in fellowship, congregation, and congregation. And I'm grateful that Alfred Avenue, Willis Street Baptist Church will be able to share together as we come together next month on the fourth Sunday as your pastor comes to preach to us and your music ministry shares with us. Just bring these seven. That's enough, Sister Garrett. Just bring these seven. <clears throat> Amen. We ain't got room for all them people. It's enough of us. We ain't got room for all them people. Just bring these seven. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a word from the Lord today, and if you have your Bibles, I invite your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture found in the New Testament book of Romans. New Testament book of Romans. I'm delighted to see members of our church family and extended church family here. Uh, two of our interns from this past summer are here. Uh, Reverend Byron Jones and Reverend Brenton Brock, God bless you, brothers. Thank you so much for your presence. If there are others I cannot see, uh, please pardon me. Hope to see you before uh, the weekend is over. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. The New Testament book of Romans at chapter 8, beginning with verse 28. If you have that passage of Scripture, say amen. amen. If you don't, look at the screen. It's there. Uh, 
And from the King James Version, you'll find these words. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's enough. Amen. Praise God for his holy word. You may be seated even in the presence of our good and gracious God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The first installation of these messages on this Saturday night, I want to talk tonight from the subject pastoral priorities. Pastoral priorities, the priorities of the pastor. I, um, if you ever having a bad day, Romans 8 is a good book to read. Whenever you're down in the dumps, whenever you're having one of those rough seasons, I invite your attention to Romans chapter 8. As it is said of Shakespeare's Hamlet, Romans chapter 8 is full of quotations. Any believer, any church person, any Bible reader who can't feel better after reading Romans 8 may need to check your relationship with God. Because Romans chapter 8 is one of those pick-me-up books. Romans chapter 8 for the believer is one of those chapters that allows you to just go ahead and give God glory even while you're going through. Romans chapter 8 is one of those powerful passages, Dr. Wesley, that reminds us of how God is in Christ Jesus working things together for our good so that we might be in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When you read Romans chapter 8, it'll put a smile on your face and you didn't even anticipate one. <laughs> When you read Romans chapter 8, it will diminish your road rage. When, yeah. when you read Romans chapter 8, it will, in the words of our elders, give ease to a troubled mind. There's something about the words of this chapter, something about the words that Paul puts pen to parchment to present to us as the people of God that literally gives joy to those who are in relationship with God. Read it when you get a chance. If you've never read it, those verses will literally lighten your load. If you have a relationship with God, if you have confidence in God, if you have faith in God, you can't read Romans chapter 8 and stay mad. No, you can't read Romans chapter 8 and maintain an extended attitude. Something about Romans chapter 8 will lift your heavy burdens and help you to know that everything's going to be all right. Uh, child of God, I raise it for your consideration tonight because it seems to me that Pastor Paul is trying to get the people of God at Rome and the people of God at Alfred Street to understand how God works things together for our good. When you read Romans chapter 8, Pastor Paul is trying to help the people of God understand that there is absolutely nothing that is too hard for the God we serve, that this God of ours is always working to do that which we cannot do for ourselves. 
themselves and middleway past uh, the beginning of the chapter he gets to that classic verse that I just quoted in your hearing tonight and he says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose I like that word no it's oimen in the Greek it literally is an experiential knowledge it is not something that was taught in the seminary it is not something that is taught in the synagogue it is not something that's taught in the sanctuary this is what you get by walking with God for a little while this is a knowledge you receive by dealing with some seasons with God when you walk with God for a little while you begin to know some things about God that you don't have to be taught from a book I'm looking at some people in church tonight who can testify I've learned some things now that I've been walking with God for a few seasons that Sunday school didn't teach me is there a witness in church tonight who can testify when you walk with God for a while you learn to be content in all situations when you walk with God you know that trouble ain't gonna last always when you walk with God you know that God's going to make a way out of no way because that's just how God operates and we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose let's be clear tonight child of God Paul is not intimating that all things we go through are good you don't have to live long enough to know that's not true you don't have to live a long time to know that that is not reality all of us have experienced some seasons of struggle and strain Paul is not telling the people of God that all things are good when you read it in the original Greek it literally reads like this that God is at work in all things so that it ends up in our good that God is always at work I don't know how God does it it's a supernatural thing but God is always at work in the midst of every scene and situation of our lives so that it eventuates in our good is there a witness in church tonight who can look back over the shoulder of your life and testify I went through some things in my life that I thought were going to take me out but I'm still in church tonight as a testimony that although I didn't like it then it worked for my good after a while oh I didn't like it when I was going through it but it made me stronger it made me wiser it gave me a greater confidence in God God is at work oh child of God I came tonight to remind the saints at Alpha street that no matter what you deal with no matter what you go through even if you can't see it at the moment God is at work will you please encourage yourself and tell yourself God is at work you don't have to tell your neighbor tell yourself God is at work yes Lord yes Lord that's the test that's the testimony of Pastor Paul to the people of God he needs them to know that God is in Christ Jesus working everything together so that it eventuates in our good I love it church family because it seems to me that Paul wants the people of God to understand that even though they have to deal with what I'm going to call the three inescapable realities of life don't get tripped out about 
about that because God is at work. Let me see if I can unpack it for a little while. It seems to me, Pastor Wesley, that Pastor Paul is trying to get the people of God at Rome and at Alfred Street to understand that all of us have to deal with at least three inescapable realities of life. When you read this extended missive, this extended treatise in chapter 8, seems like Pastor Paul is trying to help us to understand that no matter how saved you profess to be, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how often you sit in the same seat, in the same service, in the sanctuary, all of us are going to have to deal with at least three inescapable realities of life. And the first issue with which old Paul deals, my brothers and sisters, is the inescapable issue of sin. Just sucked all the room out, out the, all the oxygen out the room just by the very word because none of us like to talk about that very often, do we? None of us like for the preacher to focus on this business of sin. But Paul helps us to understand that all of us have to deal with the inescapable reality of sin in the world. And Paul does not wait very long in his missive to tell the people of God about it. As a matter of fact, he starts in chapter 1 dealing with this business of sin after he's given his introductory verses from verse 1 to verse 17 he just jumps in and out of nowhere he says that God's wrath is poured out on all ungodliness and unrighteousness hold up wait a minute flag on the plate something ain't right Pastor Paul why you gonna go there why you gonna use such strong language just a couple verses ago he was talking about I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ that sounds more churchy to me but here is Paul saying in verse 8 God's wrath is poured out on all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Somebody may want to tweet it to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that God's wrath is poured out on all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And while he's going through it, he makes sure that even as he gets into chapter 2 and into chapter 3, that nobody feels that they are exempt from this reality. As a matter of fact, in chapter 3, he says, listen here, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So before you look at your pew partner with a jaundiced eye, you better remember that you got some things going on in your life that everybody doesn't need to know about. <laughs> Is this mic still on? I said you got some things in your life that everybody doesn't need to know about. Can I find some honest people in the room today who can testify? I'm still wrestling with some stuff. I'm still dealing with some stuff. I'm saved and I'm spiritual, but I still got some sin in my life. And he says, we have to deal with this inescapable reality of sin, and all of us have done it. He goes on in chapter 4, and he continues to talk about this reality. He says, listen here, in chapter 5 and 6, listen, you got to understand, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And amen should have gone right there. That was a good spot to say amen. He says, the wages of sin is death, but God is working some things out because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love it, child of God. He says to the people of God, don't get stressed out because I'm not just saying y'all have sinned. Even Pastor Paul has sinned. 
he says it right there in chapter 6 he says listen here I'm not just pointing fingers at you all I got to deal with this reality as well as a matter of fact when I would do good <laughs> evil is always present with me he says I'm a wretched man I got some stuff going on in my life that I can't get away from is there a witness in church tonight who can testify some things you said you'd never do again you found yourself doing them anyway some stuff you said you'd never go through again you found yourself come on I need some witnesses in here I mean honest people honest people you said God if you get me out of this I'll never do that again and just as soon as he got you out you went right back into the same thing he got you out of all oh, it's like Paul says I got a dead man hanging to me oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death and then he gets to the end of chapter 7 and he says thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Woo. Is there anybody in here who can thank God for Jesus that in spite of your issue of sin, he's worked some things out? So by the time he gets to chapter 8, because of what Jesus has done, Paul then says, listen here, for all those who've been wrestling with this sin issue, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I had five people to get happy about that. I should have had at least 55 in both sections and in the balcony. I said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So when folk look at you and remember what you did back in 95 and 2012 or yesterday or earlier this morning, tell them I'm still in Christ and there is no condemnation. God's at work. God's at work. He's at work. There's there now for no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he begins to talk to us then, church, about how God has been working some things out for us, even though we have to wrestle with this issue of sin. He says, my brothers and sisters, that because of Jesus Christ, we have now been adopted into the family of God. Okay, all right. I say it again for those who missed it. I said because of the work of Jesus Christ, I've now been adopted into the family of God. Oh, you must not know that the work Jesus came to do, he finished on a hill called Calvary. And because he finished the work at Calvary, he brought me back into the family that I had been excommunicated from. He built a bridge between a holy God and a hellish humanity. And he said, listen here, I'm going to make sure that you're back in right relationship with God. And I've been adopted into the family. And according to chapter 8, I can therefore cry, Abba, Father. I have a relationship with him now. He's not just the God out there. He's the God in here. He's a personal God. He's my God. He's my Redeemer. He's my Savior. Anybody got a personal relation? As a consequence, your Bible says that because of what Jesus did, we are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That was another good spot to say amen. I said we are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means everything that God has, because I'm an heir, I got access. 
That's why you can't walk around in the dumps all the time. That's why you can't walk around with your head hung down all the time. You got access to stuff that other folk may not have access to. If you need joy, God's got it. If you need peace, God's got it. If you need grace, God's got it. Can I find 10 people in here who can testify everything I need? I find it in my God. He said, as a consequence of all of that, now I even have somebody praying for me. <laughs> he says, the good news of God being at work in everything is even with my issue of sin, the Spirit of God makes intercession for me. Okay. All right. Maybe you've never been at the point in life where you couldn't get a prayer through. But there's some of us in here who'll be honest tonight and testify. There's some days I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't even want to pray sometimes. But thanks be to God, even when I'm groaning, the Spirit of God makes intercession for me. Okay. That didn't get you. The very next several verses say, even if the Spirit of God doesn't bless you, then you also have the Son of God making intercession for him. He says, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Even right now, he's saying, Lord, bless my baby. Lord, keep my child. Lord, don't let her go too far. Lord, don't let him lose his mind. God, keep him in perfect peace as she keeps her mind stayed on you. Is there anybody in here who is grateful that the Spirit of God and the Son of God make intercession if you can't find a prayer partner you already got two if you can't find a prayer warrior you already got two if you can't find a preacher you already got two so pastor paul lets them know don't worry about it one of my priorities is to tell you that god is at work even in the inescapable reality and issue of sin but Paul doesn't stop there. He says, not only is God at work there, he said, I know he's working all things together for my good. Not just with the issue of sin, but also with the issue of suffering. Oh, help me, Lord. Got to talk about this for a little while because Paul begins to talk to the people of God about suffering. Listen to what he says. For I reckon, yeah, that the suffering of this present time it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your assistance. He says, I reckon. That's an accounting term. He says, I've got everything now written out here, and I'm weighing the balance between the good and the bad. And I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Oh, hear me, child of God. It doesn't matter how spiritual we are how saved we profess to be. Every one of us in this church tonight is gonna to have to deal with some suffering. And I know it's not a good spot to say amen, but I need to remind you that even in the issue of suffering, God is at work. Okay, okay. He, he said, I put it on the ledger and I weighed this thing out, I balanced it out. He says that all the suffering I go through can't be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Paul says too often we get so caught up on the right now that we forget that God is working on our not yet. I came to Alfred Street to tell you tonight 
that no matter how bad your right now may be, I came to remind you that God is at work to prove that your not yet is going to have more glory than your right now. I wish I had 10 people in here who read the Bible. The Bible says eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has an incident of the hearts of men and women, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I wonder if I got anybody at Alfred Street who loves my Jesus tonight. Because if you love him, God's got some things prepared for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Pastor Paul takes as his priority to tell the people a little bit about suffering. John and Job had already done it in his book when the writer of Job says that anybody born of a woman is of a few days they're full of trouble. Psalm 34 reminds us many are the afflictions of the righteous deep. Don't stop there though because the next phrase says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The Lord Jesus put it this way. In this world, you will have tribulation. But read on to the next phrase. The next phrase says, but be of good cheer. Go ahead and shout. Go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and get happy. Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And if you don't know any of that, that man Paul Jones out of Houston, he said, I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some sleepless nights. But when I look around and think things over, all of my good days, I'll weigh my bad days so I won't complain. Is there anybody who can say, God's been good to me? Real good to me. Lift my hands and say, thank you, Lord. I won't complain because he's working. I said he's working. Even in my suffering, he's working. That's why I can get happy even when I'm going through my seasons of suffering because he's working. That's why I can come to church even during these four years because I know that trouble nor trump will last always. He's working. Oh, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't say that up here this way. Y'all got to work over there. Uh, He's working. He's working all things together for the good of those who love him. He says, don't, don't stress, don't trip about your suffering because you're not yet. It's going to be greater than you're right now. Whew. This ain't got nothing to do with suffering, but can I, can I just speak a word to your pastor? It's been a good 11 years, but I still believe that you're not yet is better than you're right now. I need 10 or 12 people to believe with me that Alfred Street's not yet is better than you're right now. Is there anybody in here who can believe that what's coming is greater than what's been? The glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former. My time is out, but he deals with suffering. He deals with sin. He says, listen here, don't, don't, don't trip, don't stress. We all got to go through some stuff, but God is still at work. You may not see it. You may not perceive it. But the old saints would say, while you trying to figure it out, 
he, he's already, well, help me preach my little sermon. I appreciate that. He's already worked it out. Uh, uh, I got to close, but he deals with the issue of sin. He deals with the issue of suffering. But then Dr. Wesley, he begins to tell us as he closes this little book, this little chapter, about the issue of separation. Talks to us about separation, about disconnection. He talks to us about, about that which would try to keep us disjointed. And so he asks a bunch of rhetorical questions in those latter verses. He says, what shall we say to these things? Uh, if God be for us, y'all already know the Bible, who can be against us? He, he asks another question, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Literally saying, just because you got the goods on somebody, don't mean that that's all God is concerned with because God has justified him. It's, it's the old school, Sunday school term. It says that it is just as if it never happened. I like that about how God works it out. He throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And they don't rise up against us anymore. And so he begins to keep talking about these rhetorical, asking these rhetorical questions. And then he says, who shall separate us from the love of God? That's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And just in case you needed some references, Paul begins to ask, shall tribulation or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I'm about to get in my seat right there, but I need to find some conquerors in this room before I sit down. I need to find some warriors before I go to E-flat. I need somebody in here who can testify. Don't look at what I'm going through and think this is the end. I ain't scared of nothing I'm dealing with because I've already found out I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. So my brothers and sisters, I need 10 or 12 people in here who know something about the power of the living God to help me close this message and hear the words of the prophet Paul because Paul says, listen here, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us because I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other thing in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord so is there anybody in here who can go ahead and help me close and begin to testify that no matter how bad it gets no matter how ugly it gets no matter how disappointing it gets I got a love that I can't get taken from can't get separated from because God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life can I find somebody up in that balcony who is so grateful for the love of Jesus Christ that every time you wake up in the morning you say thank you Jesus because he's been so good to you I need some redeemed saints in here to go ahead and say so because you know the love of God constrains you you know the love of God God is always with you and nothing can separate you from it so lift up your head O ye gates and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle lift up your head O ye gates even lift them up everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in can I find some
somebody in church who can look back over your life and say if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side I don't know where I would be but he never separated himself from my presence he's with me everywhere I go the road gets rough the going gets tough the hills are hard to climb but I started out a long time ago 